people of the world, before we begin this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that Saturday, September 11th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and 8.30 p.m. London Time, we are going to be doing a live streaming show for the London Podcast Festival with our special guest, Paget Brewster. This show will not go out over our traditional podcast feed, so your chance to see it is by getting tickets and joining us live. You can go to bit.ly slash WGT London. The WGT and the L are all uppercase. The rest is lowercase. Again, bit.ly slash WGT London. The WGTL is all big, and the O-N-D-O-N is little. We hope to see you there. Get your tickets. It's going to be a really, really fun time. And again, the only way you can see it as of now is by coming to the show. And now, we want you to enjoy this show. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Las Vegas show. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Bright light city gonna set my soul gonna. That's as far as I can go without having to pay for it. Let's go to Vegas, Hal. Mark, you have a ton of notes that we're going to get into in a, in a second. <laughs> I want to I want to thank Timothy Bailey for suggesting this. Thank you, Timothy Bailey. But I, I also want to bring our guest in because I feel like uh, he needs to be part of this conversation about your uh, stationery, which is a good friend of ours <laughs> who we met through the Philly Adventure Hour, but you've seen him all over television and movies. And he has an amazing new podcast called Household Faces with John Ross Bowie. Which makes him John Ross Bowie. Welcome. It's John Ross Bowie. Thank you for coming on the show. Household so face. Glad. So glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> so glad to be here, guys. I'm thrilled. I'm very excited. Nice to see you. It's yeah. very nice to see you, too. Um, tell us, uh, tell everybody before we get started on the topic, a little bit about the new podcast. Well, the new podcast is a chance for me to um, interview actors who uh, work very steadily but are not necessarily famous. They're they're mm-hmm. not household names. They are well, you know the rest. So, so household faces was actually a title that I kind of pulled out of thin air during a, a pitch meeting with the the podcast network, and we were all like, "Oh, that's kind of catchy. That might be our title," and Pretty we great. stuck with it. So, it's been this chance for me to talk to people like John Carroll Lynch or Amy Hill or Xander mm-hmm. Berkeley, all these great journeyman actors who work all the time but haven't really been forced to sit down for an hour and talk about the larger arc of their career with another actor who's kind of, you know, knows the ups and downs of it. And um, there's a lot of talk about very serious, you know, how do you approach the craft and how do you, mm-hmm. you know, summon this emotion? And there's a little bit of gossip and there's the fear of not qualifying for insurance. There's, we cover a lot of aspects yeah. of, uh, of, of the acting business. And it's been really, really fun, much harder than it looks on the outside podcasting. Let me say that real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, let me doff my cap to you veterans for a second. Thank you for your service. I, I was very taken aback about a week in. I was like, oh, wow, this is 
this is really time consuming. This, wow. Yeah. But it's been so satisfying. You need to have a howl. That's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll do, I am howl less. Right. I just I'll put my name by. on the group assignment. <laughs> <laughs> like your first round of guests is, I mean, to me as an actor, these are household names, but Martha sure. Plimpton, I saw her on Broadway. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, see her in, in, in what? In Delicate Balance? Uh, sorry, in Delicate Balance. Yeah. Yeah. That was supposed to be a really great production. I'm sorry I missed that. Yeah. We talk a ton about theater in, in that episode. That's fantastic. Which was kind of what she did instead of college. You know, she, she was a child actor and mm-hmm. so many of them, if they don't go to college, end up with mugshots. And we were talking about <laughs> how she did not go that route. And she credits theater with just like, no, you got to show up. You got to be on time. Um, you have to work with other people. You're not allowed any real diva behavior. And it just gives you this whole level of discipline that she might not have had otherwise. So it's so funny you saw that production because she she says stuff like that was a real game changer for her. Yeah. Well, now, see, now we all have to listen. This is a nice little taste yes. of what folks can hear. Some actual acting deep dives, which is a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of deep dives, we're going to Las Vegas, boys. Get that pool at O ready because we're diving in. Oh, man. I went to O in 2003 yeah. or 2004. Mm-hmm. And we sat in the front row. My parents had come to Vegas for work and I think I drove out to join them. And my whole thought was like, this is real close and the whole thing is a pool. I wonder if we <laughs> should have, you know, Gallagher style, some tarps yeah, or garbage bags. Zone or yeah, they like smash those watermelons at the end. The usher assured us you're fine. You're further back. And it was a mm-hmm. great production. It starts with, with what you think is an audience member being hoisted into the rafters and just flying away. But essentially a lot of it is high dives and then swimming with an overhead camera. And if you're sitting in that front row, hot tip, you will get wet and you will wish <laughs> that that usher hadn't pranked you. Well, we know how Hal feels about, Oh, um, I liked it. I just didn't want to get wet. <laughs> How do we want to approach this? Do we want to, I think that we can kind of break it into three major categories, one small category, uh, and then two larger ones. Um, but do we want to talk about current shows playing in Las Vegas? Do we want to talk about oh. the greatest Las Vegas shows legendarily of all time? Um, where do we sit on residencies as being Las Vegas shows or one-off concerts? I propose uh, right. that we can. These are where break the notes it. come in. These yeah. are where the notes come in. I propose we break it into residencies, magicians, because there's a handful of those that that is just its own thing. Mm-hmm. Its own category could be Cirque and then everything else. And we'll pull one from each of those categories. Interesting. Okay. What, that, what were you what thinking? Think? What were you thinking, John? When, when, because you picked this topic off of our list. What what was it that jumped out and what what immediately came to mind? Well, there were two specific shows I had in mind, um, mm-hmm. both of which I saw my son's in the house, both of which I saw while I was tripping <laughs> profoundly. I was wondering why you suddenly got quiet on that. And um, it was I mean, I want to keep this a relatively family show while well, I was profoundly altered. Sure. And um, uh and and I they're magical artistic moments, but I I do like the the larger uh, gradations that we have been uh, given by Mr. Gagliardi. So I think you know I can I can conform to that. I have um I have opinions. So yeah, we can do that. Sure. Are are both were both of the shows Terry Fader and you just forgot and went in again <laughs> to see the same show? Uh, no, it was Danny Gans. 
Oh, um, sure. Well, he's the greatest <laughs> Vegas entertainer there is. Oh, too soon. Too soon. Um, Mark, you, the, you, have, you have a whole encyclopedia of notes in front of you, but they're on. But I don't have that uh, Danny Gans passed away. No, <laughs> you have. You look, you wrote notes on receipts like a serial killer might. All right. Imagine. Here is what, why what is that? I get. Uh, they're mostly notes to Jodie Foster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're, do you know how many magazines I cut up? <laughs> I get uh, solicited uh, from charities. And they often put in the envelope sort of a gift is like a, Hey, here's a gift. It is either a notepad in the shape of an envelope or roughly mm-hmm. the size of an envelope or uh, label stickers that have my address on them. I only ever get the return addresses. I've never gotten yeah. stationary. You've never gotten the stationary? Same. No, I have a million uh, return address stickers from Habitat for Humanity and yeah. nary yep. a single buck slip. Dude, you know what I do with them now? <laughs> I have so many of these labels that now they are labeling glass jars in my pantry for spices. So like underneath where it says Chipotle, you can faintly see in gold leaf my name and address. <laughs> what? How much yeah. of your household office supply inventory is made up of things that were sent to you by charities? Oh, man. Uh, a good third. All of these. Everything I write on. Why are you labeling stuff in your own kitchen? Because you live in a dorm. No, here's why I'm labeling stuff in my own kitchen. I took I was like, I'm going to make the spices pretty. Right. Oh, no. Uh, so I take the spices out of what they come in and I put them into glass jars like the little spice rack uh, jars. Yeah. But what I forget to do is label them. So I'm looking at what could be chipotle. It could be paprika. And then I'm looking at what could be oregano. It could be Italian herb mix. So that's when I had to go through and put the stickers on everything. So All you're right. like, what, what would a master chef do? They would get really uh, well-made, classy spice jars and then put return mailing labels <laughs> from Toys for Tots on them. Yeah, that's what Wiley Dufresne does. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that's my that's my go to um, chef specific, by the way, because his name is fun to say. But Wiley Dufresne and his molecular gastronomy, he's my my go to. Anytime I need a chef for a joke, he's he's always there for me. God love him. Well, oh, that whole what a great Wiley bag. Dufresne and Ooh. his molecular gastronomy sounds like an amazing band. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah. That That's a residency I'd super be into. I would yeah. see that residency. <laughs> well, let's look. The residencies, I think, the residencies and the magicians, I think, are, are going to be a smaller category uh, because they are kind of short-lived things. Uh, but we're talking about shows. So let's start with the big Las Vegas shows. And I think we can go first to what makes a Las Vegas show great. Opulence is the first word that comes to yeah. mind. And there's a lot of ways to define that. It doesn't have to mean, you know, cheesy 70s Follies Berger opulence, but just a, a general size and scope right? where there's, there should be a moment where even if you're not altered, you should be like, my God, who is paying for all this? Yes. <laughs> it has to look expensive. Yeah. yeah. And it's the answer, take of course, is you away. are. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I it's Vegas think- sucker. But but it's um, <laughs> but there there has to be like that. That sort of wow moment that comes pretty early on and then later on in the show, too. Yeah. Just sort of is bookended by this sense of what for you guys do your wow moments come from uh, how much is being uh, thrown at you? Or what is being done with what is being thrown at you? That's a really good question. The one that leapt to mind, the one that I, I thought was really it just incredible and has stayed with me was the Beatles' "Love." Uh huh. Um, yep. And I don't know if either of you've seen that. Yeah. But 
It's you've seen it how, right? So there are moments in response to your direct question, Mark, there's a moment in that where they're kind of taking you through like it's almost given a certain chronology for a Cirque mm-hmm. show anyway. And you're sort of taken through post-war uh, England and an idea of, you know, Liverpool after the Blitz and everything. And there's a moment right. where this old fashioned car suddenly is pulled apart and you realize there's people inside it who are who sort of separated. So it gives the impression that it's exploding, but it's done so gracefully that it disorients you for a little bit because you, you, it was, it looked like it was completely being driven onto the stage and then suddenly it erupts with people who are holding the, the separate parts of it. And that's, you know, high concept, low tech. I mean, you just have like these, you know, it's a bunch of people who can fit inside a clown car essentially and then walk yeah. in different directions, but they do it with such specificity and grace that your head just dribbles out your ears. It's pretty wild. So, I mean, so yes, it, it can be, you know, an enormous moment of, of ribbon dancing or a massive pool of water or whatever, but sometimes mm-hmm. it, it's just those little simple things that really, really stick with you. Yeah. I think the ideal Vegas show, no matter what, whether it's music, comedy, magic, or circus re, that's a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it has to leave you stunned at how it was pulled off mm-hmm. one way or the other. But it also has to be 60 to 90 minutes because they need you back out on the floor <laughs> gambling. And that's yeah. true. Every yeah, that's why show, Phantom was shortened. Yeah, yeah. Phantom is down to 90, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Avenue Q also. Every Broadway play they bring there mm-hmm. for any kind of residency gets immediately sometimes cut in half. At least it's funny when when they when they brought delicate balance to Vegas, they cut it down to the big I'm scared monologue at the end oh, is just uh, trimmed down to two lines. <laughs> it's really strange. It's really you lose something, but I'm all into this idea of us adapting Edward Albee plays yeah. for uh, uh, you know, the deeper cuts, the better, not the hits yeah. like Virginia yeah. Wolf. I just want to go really like <laughs> the goat or who is Sylvia. Yeah, I want to go the goat who is Sylvia with the in a pool. <laughs> and then the cast at the in the lobby at the end is he leaving. Did you get it? Did you get it? The uh-huh. main, well, just yeah. this is not my big tent material, guys, but I'm, I'm, there's a certain niche in your audience that loves me right now. It's, it's, it's everyone in our audience loves oh, you right, right now. Uh, all right. <laughs> but there's another kind of spectacle besides if you want a how did they do that moment. Uh, there is what you mentioned before, the how did they pay for that moment? Like, how did they physically do that? And you look at a show like Jubilee, whose set is three stories high, and there were 100 showgirls in that cast. Have you ever done a play with 100 people in the cast? That is no. that is like no. doing the biggest play I've ever done. You've worked in three... Disney and you've never done anything yes, like that. Exactly. <laughs> I could it, that would be like the cast of Aladdin and three other casts of Aladdin in the same green room. Like that is bonkers to me that uh like and that's one of those how do they pull that off? Well, it's also hard if you're in the arts, if you're in any type of show business, you're immediately mm-hmm. yanked out because you have to then go, okay, where do they go on break yeah, when they're exactly. not? On, where are they putting these people yeah. logistically, physically? Where do 100 people go when they're not on stage? They can't go too far because they will have to come back out on stage. Yeah. How does this? Where are you storing the ensemble? <laughs> well, I hope the three-story stage means a three-story dressing rooms. I bet you it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. no way. It's a pass-through. <laughs> you probably it's like an improv show where they just sit in the crowd until it's their time to go up on stage. That's all. Underneath, it's underneath their robes. I, I know this is uh, like an old 
there's no way this needs to exist anymore because we all have email. But I think about a hundred showgirls and I go, what is the phone chain like? If information <laughs> needs to get through, if you're number yeah. 99, the, the, there's no way that news is fresh and relevant anymore. You have to stagger the call times just so there's not a line at the door for people signing in. Yeah, it's the it's the Ryan O'Neill story from National <laughs> Lampoon Radio Hour. They're like showings are 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10 5, 10 10, 10 15. <laughs> there you go. I just I, there you go. I, now I have a new deep cut. You, depth, you, you to, went to the depth chart. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. Another question as we're sort of putting together our parameters for this. Uh, and we mentioned both Cirque and Jubilee. Do you want your Vegas elevated? Like, do I want to sit in the sky? No, I mean elevated as in a Cirque. I feel like a Cirque du Soleil show is that Cirque Nouveau thing is sort of an oh. elevated version of uh, Las Vegas. There are live musicians. These are classically trained clowns. These are acrobats in if you look at Mystere, it's like Mark Chagall came to Vegas. Like it's so elevated in terms of ele- artistically elevated. Okay. Yeah. Elevated you want circus circus. Exactly. Uh, fear and loathing Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. Or oh. do you want, uh, Siegfried and Roy, you know, in gold LeMay sawing people in half and making a Corvette disappear? <sighs> you know, I, uh, well, yeah. you know, it's funny. Uh, the other show I was going to cite. Hmm is not elevated Vegas at all. And I had an amazing time at that. I feel like I'm going to hold off on it a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. I think, I think we judge a show by the parameters it sets for itself. You know, I mean, you go in, yeah. you, you, you know, it, it's like anything, you know, you go into uh, a fast and furious movie. You're perhaps not going to be focused on character development and insights <laughs> into the human condition. You want right. to see how far a car can fly and then land intact. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's within your yeah. rights. And I think if you go into a Cirque show, you are expecting some sort of sort of transcendent aesthetic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're playing one of the smaller rooms, if you find yourself in there, you will settle for um, uh, an audience volunteer being cut in half and then reattached. Right. And, and, and all is well and right with the world. So I think you, you know, you judge art by its own terms to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. We're also past the age of let's all get in a gown and a jacket and tie and then go to a show. So mm-hmm. from the smallest room to the largest, most elevated experience, there are going to be people there in gym shorts with big yeah. Johnson T-shirts and <laughs> visors on. Who, Which are yeah. hilarious. Oh, they're hilarious. so good. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I don't know no if question. you know it's supposed to be – it represents genitalia. It's about no. a Oh, now yeah. it's even better. Yeah. Oh, even better. <laughs> I just unlocked a new level for you. But, you know, Vegas has become – the audience has become democratized. So mm-hmm. you could show up at your Sunday best and then be sitting next to somebody who dresses like me on any day. And you just kind of have to – deal with it so i like i don't i think i think if you're trying to sell an elevated experience that bothers mm-hmm. me when it's like we've really classed up vegas like i don't want Didn't, to um Clooney to try to do is. that wasn't Clooney <laughs> trying to open a casino like 10 15 years ago where you were going to have to wear a tux out on oh, the casino would, floor that sounds like something he would do right yeah it was it was he was riding high off oceans and i feel like he and another developer went in to hit one of the it was going to be one of the places on the western end of the strip the side the, the part that was developing fast where mm-hmm. he was trying to get stuff like aria and the mgm grand and stuff like that and they yeah. were going to and then i guess it fell apart and he focused on the nespresso ads but yeah he um <laughs> uh, I, I remember him like and i thought it was kind of yeah. a cool idea and then i was like 
Vegas is already like so uncomfortable after like 36 hours. Do you want to be in a tux on top of that? Yeah. 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 Maybe you could go linen suits. Maybe like, linen uh, suits. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah, go just suits. Do, like do summer Gatsby party theme rather than, than <laughs> right. uh, Rat Pack. <laughs> just that. I mean, that era, I get trying to bring it back and there are ways mm-hmm. to do that. But I think sure, a dress sure, sure. Co- the Vegas dress code is dead. Oh, so yeah. dead. dead and gone. Now, you mentioned democratizing, and this is why I think, for me personally, I think whoever wins is likely going to be a Cirque show. There is something democratizing about a Cirque show, especially the early ones before they added storylines and licensed music to them, where there's not any real dialogue in the whole show. It's like classical clowning. A hand pops out and beckons with one finger. Everybody knows what that means. There is something sort of internationally democratizing, I think, about those Cirque shows because the moments of the humanity in them are the shared human experience. You know what I mean? Somebody's breath being taken away by four people diving into a pool at the same time happens when you're five or when you're a hundred and regardless of where you're from. Does that make sense? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that does. So I don't necessarily mean it elevates, like it's not an evening at the ballet and, oh, you don't understand what Tchaikovsky meant in this scene. (laughs) So you don't think two guys playing around with their lives and a bunch of tigers doing magic tricks until the one day that the thing everybody knew was going to happen eventually happened. He was trying to protect him. He was trying to protect him. That's what they said. I'm sure he was. I'm sure the tiger had no sense of like, these bones feel different than mine. (laughs) They just sort of, look, I'm not going to blame Montecore for what happened, but you go to see that show because you're like, is this the one where the tigers are going to attack them? <laughs> no way. I always think of the. It's not a fight in hockey. You know the Simpsons where they had the trained tiger who's a mat who's like remembering life in like Africa and was resting until he got darted, and now all of a sudden he's on a unicycle wearing a smoking jacket with a pipe and miserable. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's what goes through my head every time I think about Siegfried and Roy and and their show, which was, I mean, that was like the number that was the Mirage, right? Weren't they Siegfried the, and Roy was the Mirage? Yeah, was it? That is old, and that's old school Vegas. Siegfried and Roy ran 1990 to 2003, uh, when he got mauled. <laughs> Poor guy. God, I feel bad that I laughed at that, but yeah, you do a show with a tiger for that long. It's just, I mean, there comes a point where you're going to hit a chamber that has a bullet in it. You know, yeah. I, yes. I, 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 I hate to seem cynical, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Welcome to Deer Hunter, the magic show. <laughs> But that was their, that's their big, you know, that's, that's big, that, that's not a little theater magic show. That is, mm-hmm. yeah. that is big epic scale. That's Copperfield scale. Love some Copperfield. Uh, I understand Copperfield, Copperfield show, show is supposed to be great. I've heard, I think Paul Shear said something that Copperfield show was just delightful and, and yeah. funnier than you would ever have any right to expect. Like he's got, mm-hmm. he's developed into this sort of dry wit that was not <laughs> evident in the eighties. Yeah. I hear his show is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, these the Vegas magician thing. I mean, it's perfect for Las Vegas. And it, I don't know who the first one was. Lance Burton, I guess, came in the mid 80s. Oh, is that or early oh, yeah. 90s? Yeah, with, his you're birds, right. yeah. with his birds. Right. And did his thing for like 20 years. And that he was like, that was his thing. Like he was sort of the magician Wayne Newton, you know, like yeah. you start in Vegas, you end in Vegas, you right. stay yes, in yes, Vegas, yes, yes, you yes, work yes. there. Yeah. Why go tour when the crowds will come to you? Exactly. 
and also you can make stupid money in vegas yeah like and then and then live you know get an incredible house 45 minutes outside of town for peanuts i mean yep wayne newton took a helicopter home from work what (laughs) come on I want to take a helicopter home from work. Who doesn't? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Penn and Teller at, uh, in Vegas. I think they were at the Rio at the time. That's right. The Rio or the Palms, one of the off strip, yes. but one of the nice off strip places. And that was one of my favorite shows, but I was, I was already a fan of Penn and Teller. So to see them live was everything I had hoped it would be. Yeah. Which is, that's really, really nice. Cause I think if you come to Vegas to see shows, you have an expectation going in because you've heard about it or you're a fan of whoever you're yes. going to see. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes. sometimes just meeting the expectation without exceeding it is enough. Is enough. Also, yeah. By all means. Is also, they're Rio, right? I think so. Yeah. They also that talk right. to the audience afterwards. If you go down to the lobby and watching Teller talk to people. Oh, that's great. And I didn't get close enough to hear his voice, but I know he's from Philadelphia. So I just, I like to believe he has an accent. The, he, 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 he took a break and asked for some water. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he spoke on, um, they gave him a line on Big Bang Theory. He oh, yeah? played, he played Mayan Bialik's dad. And, uh, <laughs> and there's one massive episode. Um, I have the cast list framed somewhere in the house where it's, um, it's Mayan and Jim Parsons wedding. And the cast mm-hmm. was just, bonkers i just i have no business on that fucking call sheet <laughs> um it's just insane and you know mark hamill's there and kathy bates is there and it's I mean, just bonkers and and teller has um one line uh where somebody tells off his wife who was played by kathy bates oh laurie metcalf tells off kathy bates and kathy bates's husband the the put upon teller leans forward and says Thank you. And the audience went nuts. It was, it was, it was insane. It's good TV. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Well, speaking of silent performers, let's talk about Blue Man Group for a second. Do we think oh, yeah. of Blue Man Group as a Vegas show or do we think of it as a off Broadway transplant? Because it almost feels more Vegas than New York. No, it, it does. But I mean, I, it, you've got to give it credit for starting in the downtown art scene. You know, yeah. before it was a franchise, it was some weird drummers who were trying to do like a slightly more accessible Laurie Anderson thing. Yeah. And then, you know, now I know two people who have been blue men and yeah. we all probably know people <laughs> who have been blue men. I worked with one at Universal. Yeah, you know, any yeah. of uh, any of us who who are friends with actors who play drums have been in that orbit in one level or another and <laughs> yep. and it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's it's one of those things like yeah, Jersey Boys feels kind of Vegasy, Rock of Ages yeah. feels kind of Vegasy, but I will right. honor their New York roots. Yeah. I agree. Like, I, much understood and uh, I agree completely. I just wanted to throw it out there because it had been running for a long time. It was a great that we also, discussion. Yeah. That we also yes. mentioned Phantom and Avenue Q and all of these Broadway shows. We're going to put those in the New York pile of shows. Yeah. And we will save that for another uh, best yeah. Broadway and or off Broadway show. They go a little outre when, when you see Waiting for Godot at the Bellagio. They go a little, <laughs> they go a little, it's weird. It doesn't feel quite it. First off, you need the intermission. You really do. Yeah, just to stretch your legs. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not my favorite choice. <laughs> The tree 
that just keeps getting taller and taller and taller. And then one and of then them people start doing ribbon dances off yeah. it. And it <laughs> really takes away from the text because the text is king, Mark. You know this. I know this. I know this. Well, not at a Cirque show. The one thing I think they should keep when they go on tour with Godot is the 100 showgirls. I think that adds a lot to it. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of 100 showgirls, by the way, I want to give another shout out to Jubilee, the most classic of Vegas shows. Costumes by Bob Mackey for that. Really? Show. Yeah. Bob Mackey costumed 100 showgirls for a 90 minute three story extravaganza. Incredible. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of, speaking of shows that start small and get huge, are you familiar with the show Absinthe? Yes. I have oh, a yeah. That. Who's your I friend in tickets it? Tickets and one able. Yeah. Uh, you know who, who loves Absinthe? Um, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Victorian <laughs> drunks. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Victorian drunks love Absinthe. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Bill Wheaton and I yeah. almost went. He ended up going. I couldn't make it that night, but, um, yeah, that's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of a Victorian Cirque kind of thing. Vaguely burlesque. Yeah. It is. I saw this when it first was at M Bar in Los Angeles. Tiny little place. Tiny little venue where we did the uh, thrilling adventure hour for five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just this bonkers dude who was an ex Cirque du Soleil guy with a great sense of humor playing a character called Gazillionaire. Sure. And, uh, and Gazillionaire looks a little bit like, uh, uh, is it Neil Hamburger? The yeah. uh, sort of like greasy Vegas, Tony Clifton kind of character. He wears uh-huh. these big fake buck teeth and has a little pencil thin mustache. Gross. And they did the most bonkers things I have ever seen at M bar. At one point, he runs out in the audience and pulls, uh, while the band is playing on stage, he pulls someone's shoe and sock off. And uh, puts their calamari on each of their individual toes and then eats their calamari off of their foot. And Ah. then, I mean, it was just for this happening in this tiny little space. It was all these weird little like punch you in the face. I guess you had to be there moments. Right. That now have blown up to Vegas scale and the things they were making fun of at cabaret size are now the things they are making fun of in Vegas size, which is. Really, really exciting and fun. And I have not seen that show since it was small. But in all of this Vegas show research, everybody's like, you got to see Absinthe. You got to see Absinthe. That's so cool. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I think the shows are kind of back. I, I, I Vegas, I think it's pretty back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, I don't know what their equity deal is there. Yeah. For safety. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to, to, uh, take that in because that does sound like a fun night out. Yeah. Let's talk about the different shows that we think are contenders, because it seems like we've talked about a lot of different shows. I'm going to actually I know we're not supposed to Google during this, but I'm going to triple check to see if the thing that I was going to recommend is still up and running. I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break and then we come back. You can reveal a mystery show that definitely has Terry Fader in it. We'll be right back. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you in part by Soylent. For whatever reason, All of us have moments where we wind up skipping a meal or eating something that's maybe less healthy and doesn't feel as good after we eat it just because we ran out of time or we don't like to cook or we just don't feel like cooking. And for times like that, why not try Soylent? They have a ton of different products that are delicious and nutritious and made in convenient formats. So there's a Soylent Complete Meal, which is a ready-to-drink shake that you can have every once in a while when you maybe 
forget to eat breakfast or forget to make yourself breakfast and you head out the door, just grab a Soylent and bring it with you. It'll keep you from going to a drive-thru or doing something where, if you're like me, you just don't physically feel as good after you have it. There are things like Soylent Squared. There's complete energy, complete protein, and it's the quickest, easiest meal on the planet. You don't have to cook, and more importantly, you don't have to clean up. There are a bunch of different flavors And that is what's so great about this, whether you actually prefer vanilla-flavored stuff or me, I love chocolate. There's actually a mint chocolate that I go nuts for. Like, they figured out my favorite flavor and then made it healthy for me. Please, check it out. So, take care of yourself right now. And for those times that you're going to miss a meal, grab a Soylent and make sure your body's getting what it needs. Go to Soylent.com slash WeGotThis and use code WeGotThis to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent.com slash WeGotThis and code WeGotThis for 20% off of your first order. Hey, podcast fan. We'd like to get a better idea of who you are and what you care about. So we have a quick favor to ask. If you have a few minutes to spare, please go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. There, we've got a short anonymous survey that will take about five minutes to fill out. Plus, if you finish it, you'll get a 10% discount on merch at the MaxFun store. MaxFun shows have always relied on support from our members and always will. This survey will help keep the few ads we do run interesting and relevant to you. That's MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. A-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y. All one word. And thanks for your help. All right, we're back. Will you reveal to us now, John Ross Bowie? Yeah. What is the show that it uh, is an absolute highlight of your time? Um, at the uh, oh, wait, hang on. Uh, it's a highlight of your time in Vegas. I'm not sure which hotel it is. I think it's at Tropicana. Mm. Mm -hmm. Listen, (laughs) as I said, the evening I saw this particular act. I had ingested a foreign substance mm-hmm. that um, uh, makes your hair feel really good. I'll leave it at that. Okay. And uh, we went for, we had a co-ed bachelor bachelorette party. So a bunch of us, the men all went for steak, the women all went for sushi. And then we met up at Purple Rain, R-E-I-G-N, the Prince cover band that <laughs> used to play. <laughs> They used to play at the boardwalk. Now, the boardwalk, I don't think the boardwalk is there anymore. The boardwalk was ridiculous because the boardwalk was the Vegas casino whose theme was, hi, you're actually in Atlantic City, which was a terrible idea. So everything about this place is misbegotten. It was oh. just, it like, it like looked like, it's, you know, Atlantic City kind of, you know, sucks, you know, yeah, at its peak, it, it kind of sucked, yeah. you know, and, 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 and so that was weird. So my friends surprised my wife and I, uh, and, and took us into this place and suddenly we're in there and there's this incredibly credible, they do, they did all eras of Prince, but they dress like the revolution, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then they take a break and they come back. A fake Morris Day comes out. <laughs> what? He does. Um, uh, oh my God. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What's the, uh, uh the bird? Uh, yeah. America. Have you heard? Um, he does that. That <laughs> does he come out rapturous. like, like, Hey, look who just happened to be here tonight seeing the show. 
but they don't even they don't even bother giving it that much. Like it's just now fake Morris Day is coming out and uh, fake Jerome is going to have a mirror for him to check his hair in the whole oh deal. God. It is meticulous. And there was a point where like, is that guy is the is the fake prince who is a ringer is he actually playing the guitar and then we all unanimously agreed that we did not care and and it <laughs> was just hit 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 and you know close than i'm ever and I, a few years later I, I got to see the actual prince mm-hmm. at the forum and that was great but i was a you know it's a football field away from prince yeah. and uh this one i was so close he sweat upon me <laughs> and then he hangs out in the lobby you take a picture with him you oh say, man, that was an incredible show. Where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Minneapolis. He just will not let it go. He just <laughs> absolutely doubles down and is oh like, God. you are here. You are paying for the illusion, buddy. And I was like, fine, fine, fake prince. I'm into this. <laughs> and somewhere on here, we have this picture of my wife and I with our pupils the size of basketballs <laughs> on either side of fake prince. Will you... Please find if us I can find it and I will and, yeah. post it. Yeah, we will we oh. use it as promotion because it was <laughs> a night. Oh, that's that's so good. I'm from Minneapolis. I wonder, though, if that might not be <laughs> the best Vegas show, but the most Vegas show. Now, there's and a fine the question. Most Vegas experience. There's a fine, fine question <laughs> um, because it was not like it, it felt like the weird sort of. A, a, a really comprehensive Vegas history would be an interesting book to read if you mm-hmm. were to like sort of traverse the era from like, you know, the rise of like, you know, basically the remnants of Murder Inc. deciding like, oh, gambling is legal here. We will raise yeah. something out of the desert to its lull in the 80s and 90s to its sort of renaissance in the early 2000s with yeah. like high end hoteliers coming in and suddenly it became this incredible food town and there's mm-hmm. museums that are for a while there there was a mini Guggenheim inside the Bellagio where you it's could gone? see uh, I, I, I don't it may it might still be there but I saw yeah. I was in Vegas and I, mean, I, I, I staggered in you know vaguely hung over there's this pulsating Rothko in a hallway <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. You know who I think is responsible, uh, oddly enough, for a lot of that is Prince. 2006, he opens up his venue there. Oh, right. And then that was when everybody young started coming to Vegas and it was no longer, you know, somebody who was, you know, past their prime recording and touring years that would go to Vegas to retire because people went to Vegas to retire all the time. And recently, I mean, you had Britney Spears was there and, uh, and, um, Lady Gaga is there yeah. or was there in 2018. Beyonce does a residency that like Usher is doing a residency right now, apparently. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's Prince that first started like getting the young performers in there. Or maybe he was just riding the early part of that wave. Again, it would be really interesting to mark the chronology. But what was yeah. funny about about this thing is that we went to go see a cover band in a casino that none of us had ever heard of before. Yeah. And the casino, again, the theme was surprise you're actually in new jersey <laughs> and it was really disorienting and so yeah i think there is something very most vegas about that yeah yeah that really uh i can't believe there is there a merv griffin impersonator that's walking around like resorts is still open oh, the God, building still stands i went when i was a kid to atlantic city and i saw who was it it was it was uh jerry lee lewis was there it was jerry lee oh, wow. lewis and chuck berry and then little Richard was supposed to be there, but 
couldn't make it for some reason. It was like 1956, the the group. Yeah, and Bo yeah. Diddley came and filled in for him, and Bo oh, wow. Diddley did a set, and it was like what? The three of them. This is like 19, somewhere between like 89 and 92. So it's we're still we're at the very tail end of we like the 50s, and we're about to very heavily get into the 60s are the greatest thing ever. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. But that feels like the most resorts show that I could have seen. Forever. And it was Merv Griffin's resort to that. His face was everywhere. <laughs> you kids Here. today, you don't know. Merv. You don't know you don't your know. Merv Griffin resorts. You don't the know. real talk show host. He engaged. I want to throw out, you mentioned a bunch of uh, artists working together. I want to throw out for our, just as a, I know we talked mostly about shows and a little bit about residencies. Now I want to throw out one particular residency and uh, one particular season of one particular residency that might, I think, be a finalist for the best Las Vegas show, even though none of us were there. Mm-hmm. It is simply legendary. Sure. Is Frank Sinatra. Obviously. He played in Vegas for 40 years. Yeah. Frank Sinatra, it, he's shooting in 1960 Ocean's Eleven with all of these guys. This was the birth of the Rat Pack because they're shooting in Vegas and they're hanging out in the casino in the evening. And Frank Sinatra is playing the Copa Room at the Sands where he played his residency in Vegas. And these guys start popping up on the stage with him. And yeah. suddenly this rat pack is a thing. Yeah. That to me feels like as far as I don't know if we can beat that. res. El- look, Elvis in the early 70s. Pretty amazing. I don't know if you can beat that for quintessential Vegas residency show it's pretty hard there's one um i'm looking actually online there's one particular um marquee there it is uh from the sands Mm -hmm. um that is um so straightforward because you know they were all prone to except for dean who played drunk all the time but was actually drinking apple juice most of the time Mm -hmm. famously was was not a teetotaler but was not nearly as faced as he he presented but there's an amazing marquee i have it up on my screen here that just says the sands dean martin maybe frank maybe sammy (laughs) (laughs) it's a real photo it's a real photo that i just i just look for it um and it's my favorite thing in the world because yeah you take that bet that's yeah. that's a yeah. gamble that's completely <laughs> worth taking. A hundred. That is the only good gamble in Vegas. That's the safest bet in Vegas. Yeah, because yeah, worst case scenario, least, you're going to see yeah. Dean Martin. Exactly. Yeah, and I, then and then they come out and uh, with a yeah. drink cart and uh, and they make themselves a salad, which is um, <laughs> you know, well, I read a, a great, salad. I, I, oh, I read a great book. I'm going to get not not like depressing, but kind of sociologically serious for a moment. Uh-huh. Um, I read a book called Rat Pack Confidential by a, an author named Sean Levy, who's not the film director, Sean Levy. Mm-hmm. But he his whole theory about the Rat Pack was that that was the last time 1960, as you mm-hmm. just cited, that's the last time adults were in charge of pop culture. And then mm-hmm. the Beatles come in and teenagers run the world ever since. Yeah which is interesting and a little chilling when you think about it, but, but very, you know, there was a, a real sort of last gasp there of, and it, and it centers the ground zero is, is Vegas in, in the early 1960s where these guys are so in control that their contract allows them to maybe show up 
but you would just you would take the risk yeah. and then Dean would go out and he would deal cards. He'd go to the blackjack table and deal cards and you'd get like a 24 and he'd push the chips over to you. And the Sands didn't care because at the end of the day, they still came out ahead yeah. because yeah. Dean Martin was was dealing blackjack. But that whole era is really interesting. That's wild. Well, I'd throw that into the ring for the greatest Las Vegas show epically yeah. in history. Does that marquee also say in parentheses, probably Joey Bishop? It doesn't, regrettably. It doesn't. <laughs> no, it says there's regrettably, a smaller marquee probably that, Joey Bishop. And then the smaller marquee beneath it goes, oh, God, we forgot Peter Lawford. Yeah, <laughs> he's at the bar oh, somewhere. I'm always doing that. I'm always yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, that I'm always is, doing that. That is kind of magical in that it is the Vegas that everybody is still chasing in one way or another in terms it's, of it's the Vegas that, that Clooney was chasing yes, when he tried yeah. to have a, a tuxedo only casino. We all want the sands, which is now gone. And mm-hmm. that era of the rat pack of these, the biggest stars in the world are all here in residency. Mm-hmm. They're working here. They're dropping in on one of the essentially run the town and they are all the epitome of cool and class and style. Yeah. So that's what Vegas wants to be. And it's not anymore. It's yeah. way more of a family. Like there's no way in the Rat Pack Las Vegas that you would have a roller coaster on the outside of your casino. <laughs> I know. I always, you know, it's weird because there was a period of time in the around the turn of this last century where there were places like the Aladdin and mm-hmm. you had like a bunch of lazy rivers in the casinos and it was very yeah. family oriented. And they've kind of split the difference with shows like Absinthe. What's the what's the Dirty Cirque show? Uh, Zumanity. Yeah. Zumanity. Which closed, uh, unfortunately, last year. Oh, I think okay. a victim of either a victim of the pandemic or just it was its time. It was just its time. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's it's sort of a little naughty, a little naughty. Yeah. yeah, like they're not like it's sort of this ungodly hybrid now of like the most expensive <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. And oh, by the way, prostitution's legal. And yeah. it's it's a strange <laughs> little it's a strange uh, needle yeah. they thread. I think it's I think it's uh it's depending on what time of day it is. Vegas is a vastly different place. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were there. So we took the kids. We decided we were going to get out of town last summer, height of the pandemic in August. And we thought, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll go to Zion National Forest and we can stay someplace where we're not really around anybody. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were driving there and we were coming up on Vegas. You have to kind of go through Vegas to get there if you drive. And on a whim, we said, you know, it'll be desolate. It won't be too dangerous. We'll go in. Oh, my God. What a terrible idea that was. Oh, yeah. Vegas. During the height of the pandemic, the only thing more depressing than a closed casino is an open casino (laughs) where everyone's wandering around in like hazmat suits. And there's like there's the big plastic barrier between the dealer and you. And there were people who were still hanging on to like, this is still Vegas. We're still having fun. But it was and the fountains in the Bellagio were off. So it's amazing how that tiny little detail takes it from like. Ocean's Eleven to Resident Evil. Just you know, all you do is <laughs> just turn off those fountains, and and everything it just changes the entire mood. Ooh. It was wild. Yeah, we got out of. We had like a real quick lunch and got out of there. It was yeah. it was very odd, very odd. Vegas <laughs> needs people. You need Vegas to be populated. You really and do. Fun, yeah. And you need a bachelorette party to hang out the back of a limo, drunk, while uh, three guys on the corner are barking you to. You know, if you want that, like. Ding, 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 ding. Absolutely. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain amount people of people partying. Yeah. Yeah. You, you expect that. And I think yeah. that's your right as a taxpayer to get a certain amount of noise from, from Vegas. Yeah. It is very weird. You do need people around you, but most of the time 
when I'm there, like, I don't, I, <laughs> they're not people I want to be around, but I also need to be around a bunch of people. Like it's yes. right. Well, here's the thing. You think that you right. think like, Oh my God, M- Vegas all to myself will be great. And then you get there and you're like, Oh, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was disastrous. Oh my God. It turns out I, I, I desperately need the Trump voter and a rascal who's like hooked up to her machine because she's got her frequent player card on the little old phone cord thing that's attached to her fanny pack. And you like, you, that's, that's your buddy. You need that. That's person. Vegas. You need her on that wall. You both give that mutual, like, <laughs> head up nod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you just a few good men that? I did. <laughs> I did. I'm trying, I'm trying to get, get your audience back after my delicate balance. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, our audience knows that that recently won for best screamed movie line. Oh, really? That's, oh, that's yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Handle the truth. Yeah, sure. Um, all right. Let's take a look now. Do we think that we have any of these magicians or Vegas residencies going into the finals aside from the shows uh, that might make it into that world? It sounds like the Rat Pack collectively kind of has to go yeah. because they're, they're, that they're, Copa, they're the, the Copa Room at the Sands. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the definition of Las Vegas. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Still. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's look at the Cirque shows. Because if one of these Cirque shows is going to make it into the finals, let's have you, how many of these Cirque shows have you guys seen? You said you saw Oh, how I've seen Oh, I've seen Love, I've seen mm-hmm. a few. I honestly can't imagine them ever doing anything better than Love. The, the reason being that it combines music that almost every person on the planet enjoys with an actual yeah. narrative that takes yeah. you through. Uh-huh. Through the cultural history of first England, but also kind of the world mm-hmm. during their time. And yeah. just like it has, it has everything you want out of a Cirque show plus the Beatles. Yeah. It's sprawling and it's all like, yeah. it's not just a mixtape. It's wildly recontextualized, uh, Beatles songs that were remixed mm-hmm. under Sir Martin's supervision. Mm-hmm. So it'll be the vocal track from uh across the universe laid over something else and and the drums sound different and it's a completely new experience okay i only my only question with that is there's i don't know maybe this is the this goes back to that elevation question i was asking there's like the old school certain i'm gonna sound like grandpa the old school cirque du soleil shows Mystere being the first one in 93 that was like, here is our elevated version of Circus that introduces it. Oh, is the water one. And then Zumanity is the sexy steampunk one. Those were all original music. It feels like there's something that feels a little jukebox musical about Cirque du Soleil doing uh, love. That said, every bit of it that I've seen is spectacular and they sort of moved new things into the Cirque world. You know, it's not just someone um, doing classical tricks. Now they have rollerbladers in a giant wheel on fire. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're yeah. doing crazy How, modern stuff. Let me answer that quickly, Mark. Can you hum yeah. three of the songs from any of those other shows? Just No, and I get songs? that I get that there are, you know, people like the Beatles. People, And that's, I guess, right. the Vegas of it is that's the... It's not people in tuxedos. Uh, it is... Everybody and everybody loves the Beatles. So there is something sort of wonderfully Vegas about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly the, uh, uh, that's exactly the thing is that it, it takes, uh, the, the relatively pared down 
Beatles songs, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of Beatles songs, they recorded on four track, you know, they're not, they're not enormous, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't Floyd or Zappa, you know, this is, you know, they were, they were songwriters first and they wrote, they were amazing pop songs and, uh, but takes that and then Vegafies, Vegas is it, it to the best possible extent by just kind of making it grandiose and opulent and crazy and manages to surprise you even in an auditory sense, because again, just wild, unexpected remixes of these songs. And it does have that wow factor in both its size and in those moments like the car exploding that you mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And when they're diving around the audience on silks, it's pretty yeah. incredible too. Like it, it comes out into the audience, which is you get all the, all the things that you would get in a Cirque show. Mm-hmm. The music pluses the, the Cirque part because mm-hmm. it, it forces them to work in a narrative. So they actually, yeah. it actually gives context to a lot of things that, that they've done some version of in another show. Yeah. But then the performance and the way the show is put together actually will take some songs that you might not even enjoy as much in the Beatles catalog and elevate them. Yeah. So it really, I'm going like, to listen to it tonight. I'm absolutely going to listen to it tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating record. It is right a on. fascinating record. Yeah. So it sounds like that is, that is our clear victor in, uh, coming out of the CERT category. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do we have a clear victor coming out of the magicians category? We talked a little about Lance Burton, a little about Copperfield, a little about Siegfried and Roy. I'm generally a Copperfield man. Saw him a couple times live. I'm going to, you know, I've not seen him, but what I have seen of the show in Mm -hmm. terms of like promotional clips Mm -hmm. and his surprising evolution into sort of like, like Penn and Teller have always been wise asses. So they now have a wise ass show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. That's what they do. But his, um, uh, his evolution from my dog is biting my feet. Um, his <laughs> evolution from, uh, to what? From my dog is biting my feet to what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm mostly just Dadaist poems, uh, this late on a Friday. So you're going to have to deal with that. We're going to, we're going to, um, I'll take it. You want to, you want to say hello? You want to say hello? Hi! Oh, oh my gosh! My. All right, this is my pug Mabel. Hi, oh, Mabel. 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 And is trying to eat my ear pud buds. All right, <laughs> off you go. His evolution from like like the corniest you know eyeliner guy in the world into mm. someone who's like kind of in on it now, maybe yeah. is great. fascinating to watch. You know, yeah. it, it makes me wonder like, what if Doug Henning had lived? What would that have turned into? You know, <laughs> um, yeah. and so I'm leaning Copperfield on this one. Great. Yeah, I, w- I would go with that too. I think David Copperfield is, he's inextricable from magic as magic is inextricable from him. He is, yeah. he is one of the pillars of modern illusion in the world and still going. I mean, you know, if you go to the magic castle out here in LA, you'll see an old drawing of him on the wall as they have caricatures of all, of all the different members. But he's out there from where, whenever it was in the seventies or early eighties. And now he's still doing shows, remaining relevant. Yeah. And he's, you know, been there for several different eras of Vegas. Yeah. And thrived in all of them. So let's look now at, uh, do we have any of the other Vegas shows, the big spectacles, any of the classic shows? I would argue that Jubilee with the hundred showgirls has got to be on this list. I mean, that, that's another contender for most Vegas. That's, yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a most fake. What about the jousting tournament at the Excalibur? <laughs> Seriously, that oh, is no, a- you're right there. That's what I, that's why I started laughing, because now you've opened up a whole other can of worms. And it's not just the like 8 p.m. curtain shows. You're talking now about like you've got 
once every two hours, they have pirates swinging on the ship at TI and mm-hmm. three times a day they do a joust at now you're getting into like the Excalibur. theme park shows. But of- that's the thing. They're theme park shows. You could get things like that at a that's, theme park. What is something true. that is endemic to Vegas? You're right. Like the jousting show, the Excalibur is fine. But if I want to go out to the San Gabriel Valley, I'll hit medieval times and we're right as rain. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that that I think that falls into the same uh, category that uh, the Broadway shows, the truncated Broadway shows fall into. Yeah, yeah. you're right. hundred percent. So this is, this is such a thoughtful conversation. I'm so glad you guys do this show because <laughs> it is we're giving this so much more thought than perhaps it deserves. But I, I am <laughs> I'm so into this kind of like close analysis on things that are not super pressing i think it's <laughs> welcome I, to I, podcasting yes no well, fair yeah i know exactly i just got here um i uh, <laughs> uh you know says, says the guy who did an hour long inside the actor's studio with mary lynn rice cub the um uh, I, look anybody uh, who can anybody who can be convincingly on mr show and 24 i yeah. will listen to anything she says about acting. i gotta promise crap. you you're gonna love you're gonna love that interview because she uh, talks about just that about how like there are people who have no idea she's funny yeah <laughs> like, that's so there are crazy people who just who have no idea what a darling of the alt la comedy scene she has yeah. been for decades and are like that's 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 chloe yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's the girl in the van. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, she knows crazy. where she knows where Jack Bauer is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here are our finalists. In the magician category, David Copperfield's show. In the historical category, the Copa Room, nineteen sixty at the Sands. In mm-hmm. the Las Vegas of Vegas category jubilee mm. and in the cirque du soleil category the beatles love so our four finalists copperfield topa room jubilee and love hal how do you want to do this i don't know i feel like i i feel like i have an answer in my head does every when, when everybody heard that list of the three of us not all of you listening we can't hear you did it was there one that stood out that just sort of you hooked into and said that's the one yeah yeah, yeah there was actually and it, it surprised me I, I'm oh. surprised by my choice. What was it? Tell us your choice. Sometimes we do it all at once, but I kind of want to hear your choice and then see if it's the same. I want to so know. How I'm going to write it down. Okay. The central appeal of Las Vegas as a city and as an idea is that sense of risk and danger. And that, that sort of, and part of the danger comes from the fact that you will be taken for a ride, that you will be conned, that you will be tricked. I vote Copperfield. Wow. I think that is, I think he represents, there is a, a panoramic quality to Copperfield as like an Ur Vegas, you know, he yeah. represents every aspect of that town not least of which is you are essentially at your core being con. That woman is still in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Interesting. Really well, that is argument. not what I was expecting. And that is a great argument. I'm surprised yeah. myself. Surprised. surprised myself. It surprised me too. Wow. That was not, was that the one that came to your mind, Mark? No, the one that came to my mind was uh, the Copa room. That was mine too. But I also think that there's something to, like one established, I feel like if we were to say it was the Copa Room, mm-hmm. that we're saying the best Vegas show is a show you will never ever see again. 
that none of us have seen because of this idealized version of it in our heads. Yeah. Not like, oh, they're going to make a bunch of black jokes when Sammy comes out on stage because it's 1960 and we're in the middle of some real shit. And that's just how we are. Like, there are, and, there's a and lot when of we're it. done with that. We'll make fun of him for being Jewish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> good. By the way, by the way, that is, you know, you bring up a really good point uh, is that Vegas was not desegregated until or they didn't allow for <laughs> <laughs> they called it the, I mean they called Vegas the Mississippi of the West so mm-hmm. so for maybe we should pick a show that is at the time even would have been a pleasant opportunity for everyone to see yeah I think that David Copperfield is a really really good choice it's a strong choice well, I like I mean, it if there's so, we, we even said earlier you know I mean it, what was the safest bet in Vegas the Copa room at the very least you were gonna, yeah. gonna see Dean maybe yeah. Frank maybe Sammy that's a safe bet Vegas is not a town for safe bets that's true no, but I do think- you do you go to the theater in Vegas to get a respite from the being tricked? Do you go to Vegas to a, do you, or is it the perfect combination? Meaning, I think it's, I, I think, yeah. it's the, I think my yeah. my the reason I'm drawn to Copperfield is that I think it's the perfect combination. I think it represents Vegas. You're getting your money's worth, no question. Yeah, but at its core, it's about illusion, as if you know the and there is a certain illusion in a. The city sustaining itself in the middle of Death Valley, essentially, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the Nevada desert and continuously expanding over decades and decades. Yeah. Um, There's more than one like live Mo lobster Green. tank. There's more Sorry. than one live lobster tank. Exactly. <laughs> I do wonder what's going to happen to the buffets. I, I, I don't know if the buffets are going to survive this past year, but um, yeah. it's. Uh, uh, I just think there's something so so fundamental about being a high paid glitzy uh illusionist mm-hmm. who's kind of in on it in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, all of Vegas is an illusion anyway. Everybody you you'll never see a more hopeful group of people than those on the Southwest flight to Vegas and a worse feeling sadder Willie Loman group of people than those who are on the flight back <laughs> because they showed up and in their mind they were going to win big, everything comped, go to see all these amazing, wonderful things and come back a richer person. In or reality, there's, they were there's up for one, a little while and then got broke. Yeah. They we're broke. But there could be one person on that plane who is wearing a top hat and a new tuxedo and a big gold chain around his neck with a dollar sign. And all of those Willie Lomans are just side eyeing them on that plane. Like, That's oh, right. I see. This podcast has been a real win for the American theater. Let me just say that (laughs) we have really, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. I've just enjoyed the whole thing. (laughs) We took you on a tour of Broadway yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Oh Uh, my God. I think it's, I guess it's been Brooks Atkinson. (laughs) (laughs) I think it should be David Copperfield. I'm perfectly content with David Copperfield. He's a master of illusion. People yeah. in the world, you just had your expectations sawed in half. <laughs> we made your preconceived notions disappear. Boom. Yeah. And now we've thrown down a smoke bomb and out of it has emerged the seemingly ageless David Copperfield, giving me hope as a middle-aged Jewish man that someday with enough surgery and magic, I can look like that at any age. He is confirmed 212 years old. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and... And he continues to go, and I hope he does shows 
uh, well beyond when he's in the grave. Because if anybody could find yeah. a way to come back and entertain, it would be the the crown jewel of Las Vegas, David Copperfield, the best Vegas show asked and answered. Wow. That yeah. was amazing. By the way, Hal, I don't know that I love you uh, telling the audience that any episode of our show cut their expectations in half. They should know by now. <laughs> I, I can't be dishonest with this group of people. <laughs> uh, John Ross Bowie, thank you for being here. Thank this you was a so very much cool discussion. Me. Uh, you're a, really a delightful person to talk to and get insightful with. And I love that that's the direction we went was the illusion of Las Vegas. You're so much fun, friend. It, it surprised me, uh, too, guys, but I'm, uh, thanks for hearing, thanks for hearing me out. <laughs> oh, of course. I, first of all, you have to come back. And yes. second of all, when I found out about your podcast, I was excited not only by the premise, which is a brilliant premise, but also because you are the host, because not only do I know you and, and like you personally as a friend, but oh. you are a fantastic conversationalist. So to hear you talking to people about something you're passionate about yep. that I am also passionate about is super exciting. I, I honestly, I'm not just saying this. I think you two nerds in particular will really enjoy the show. <laughs> I, I, I really do oh, yeah. think it's, it's, oh, it's, uh, relevant to your interests and, yeah. um, and you'll dig it. Undoubtedly. Thank you for coming on the show. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets or you can email us. We got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Talk about the Vegas shows you've been to and the ones you most want to see. That's at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash. We got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for allowing John and Hal and I to climb into a car drive up the 15 for about three and a half hours in absolute sweltering till we see that sweet, sweet green of the MGM Grand and know that a swimming pool and David Copperfield are in our future. We couldn't do the show without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.